sex talk Derek and Miley Cause sexuality is tough And okay sex just isn't good enough No Sex talk With Derek and Miley Hey folks, welcome to Sex Talk with Erica Miley. Erica Miley here. So glad to, again, y'all know like I, I like to bring guests back. I just do. I can't help it. It's like when you come on Sex Talk, you become part of the Sex Talk family and you just get to come on back. I have Deandra Blylock Solar, and you're going to talk about that here in a second about how this has changed. You are a mental health therapist, you're a sex therapist, artist, and now... You're a fucking published author. Come on. Yes. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm just so glad that you're here. Thank you for coming back. And uh, by the time everybody listens to this, you will be you will be newly married. Yes. Yes. I will be a newlywed. I am uh, excited about it. And right now I'm in the throes of wedding planning <laughs> in the middle of a panini press. And so, you know. <laughs> We making it do what it do, but uh, yeah, I'm very excited. This 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 pandemic, this pandemonium. I you know I have to thank the black community for all of the words, <laughs> all the words in the middle of this Panda some... Express. <laughs> that might be pandemonium, Panda Express. Those those tend to be my favorite. I love them. Personal pan pizza is another that I like. <laughs> You know, (laughs) bless you all for all of the pop culture that you give us. And you all deserve the credit. Thank you. (laughs) So I want to I want you to tell us about the book. Now, just a heads up for all of you for who are not sex therapists, like this book really isn't for you if you're not a sex therapist or someone who is trying to be like a sex positive therapist. But we're gonna we're gonna talk about this in the way how it can apply to you if you're not a sex therapist. So so tell them about the book. And also like some of the editors you got. Come on. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So I am incredibly grateful and excited to have been included as an author of a chapter of an amazing book that will be published December 2021. And the title of it is An Intersectional Approach to Sex Therapy, Centering the Lives of Indigenous, Racialized, and People of Color. Every chapter is written by a person of color who works in the field of sexuality, Mm. whether that's as a sexuality educator, therapist, counselor, sex worker, all of the things. And Mm. they are presenting the information based on uh, different things within their culture, but also very specific topics. So my chapter uh, is entitled Holy Sex, Using Narrative Therapy and Mindfulness to Address Church Hurt and Embrace the Arrival. And so I talk about providing sexuality therapy for specifically Black folks who are interested in holding on to their faith, as well as creating a sexual theology that makes sense for them. And the tools that I use for that include mindfulness and narrative therapy and also Black existential theory, Mm. which was an interesting thing to bring in because like narrative therapy has this, this idea that there is no truth. But if you're Christian, you believe there is a truth. Mm -hmm. And so Black Black existential thought kind of brings a a little bridge into that that helps to make narrative therapy make sense for Christians. So, yeah, I am incredibly excited about being a published author and being included in this book. You mentioned the editors like, listen, 
<laughs> Listen, we got my homie, Marietta Gary Smith, who Ooh. is one of the foundresses of the Women of Color Sexual Health Network. Mm-hmm. And uh, she's someone who kind of pushed me along because imposter syndrome got in my ear and was like, girl, really, do you know enough to write a chapter? <laughs> and I really tried to get out of it. And Mary, I was like, nah, girl. Come on, you got I mean, seriously. This. Like that, um, you, when you try so, to yeah. do big things, it's it's hard for people. I don't know that. I'm, of course, people are familiar with imposter syndrome, but I I think when you and I know that I I personally I'm first generation college student. I come from poverty. Like the imposter syndrome is real when you try to do things that is not in your family tree. And, and so oh, I feel yeah. you, I feel you. <laughs> yes, yes. And it, and like you said, I really appreciate how you phrase that. It's, it's really when you try to do big things that may not be in your family tree. So, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't have any other published authors, you know, that I can go mm-hmm. to. So I am grateful. I'm proud of myself. Yes. You know, for, for going through and doing it, but also grateful to have friends and um, colleagues who pushed me along. It's like, nah, we need your voice. And uh, oh Marietta was definitely do. one of those. And so thank you. And um, other editor- editors include uh, Reese Malone and Marla Renee Stewart, who's a mate. Uh, listen, Marla's like, since down south, of the show. Listen. She- been on Listen. the show. Yes. Family of Sex Talk. Come on, yes. y'all. Yes. Yes. <laughs> just just dope. And of course, um, James Wiley. So so yeah, oh. I'm just honored to be listed as an author with uh, so many other colleagues. Like I'm thinking about my homegirl, Dr. Lex, mm-hmm. you know, just like so many other other people who are included in this book. So yeah, thank you. Thank you for it. I I mean, just I just say that because we need we've we have needed this like way Mm -hmm. this is way past overdue needed. But this will be especially as a person like I am not and ever I know folks on the show have have heard me say this before. I'm a white woman. And I'm a white woman therapist. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I, I absolutely need this. I absolutely need this to understand not only just my client's perspective, but how to approach this work in a very, a a way that many, many times in in traditional sex therapy settings, it's not it, it's not addressed. So again, I thank you for giving giving us this gift. The, and it is, it's a gift to the field. So I, I just very much appreciate it. Thank um, you. And, and, and you said narrative therapy. And I, I think that to break this down a bit for our listeners, that the narrative therapy is essentially like learning how about the stories we tell ourselves about ourselves and the people around us and our families and our the systems around us. That's exactly it. That's and exactly you're specifically it. talking about using narrative therapy around sex and the church and exactly how those narratives can really impact our ability to see ourselves as sexual people. That's and it. <laughs> I, there is not a sex therapist out here that hasn't run into some sort of twisty religious shame that comes from sex or the faith's interaction with sex. I should say that. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think about, um, I talk about a former client in the chapter one who was, she was divorced, but that relationship was emotionally and financially abusive Mm. and she got divorced. However, she became partnered again and was having amazing sex with this new partner 
horrible <laughs> sex with her previous with her husband, her ex husband. Mm-hmm. And one big question she had was, you know, it, what doesn't make sense to me is that I can have sex with this man, my ex husband, who basically gave me a score sheet of how horrible my sex was after mm-hmm. every encounter. And that seems to be right in the eyes of God. But now I'm with this man who adores me and takes his time and and loves my body and, and gives me what I'm needing physically. But this is a sin. This doesn't make sense to me. Mm-hmm. And so then my work as a therapist is to, well, some, some of the work that I've chosen to do is to help kind of exegesis, which is a big word for really looking at the Bible and like, what is it saying within context? Let's go. What First of all, what version are you looking at? You know, mm-hmm. um, and, and let's <laughs> review that. And let's really try to reframe our story or our thoughts about what the word says so we can create a sexual theology that really makes sense. And this is not to say like making the Bible into something that you want it to be, but really understanding what the words are, what they were written for, who they were Mm -hmm. written for, and in what context. And is it appropriate to apply certain contexts to today? Because marriage was different back then yes. than it Fundamentally. is now. We, Fundamentally. We, y'all, we were still very much property. We were Straight still up. very much. Straight Very up. much. Yes. <laughs> and yes. so marriage as it stands today is a different, is a completely different cultural and contextual change that yes. I think you're completely right. Like shifting how we see how maybe a religious book, including the Bible, might mm-hmm. might be interacting in our sex lives. We may be applying it where it doesn't apply. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and so, what would you say? Like, you know, a Christian a Christian walks in your door, and I, I think for us to break this down as far as we can, what does it mean for a Christian to change their story about sex? Yeah. yeah so I think about how. I'm, I'm going to go back to something I mentioned before, how black existential theory or black ex- existential thought um, gives us the freedom to use narrative therapy, but still hold on to a truth. And that mm-hmm. one truth being, um, well, there are several truths related to Christianity. And one mm-hmm. that kind of screams out at me right now is that God loves me as I am. Mm-hmm. Um, how I, However I show up in this world, right? However I present related to and inclusive of my gender identity, inclusive of who I love, regardless mm-hmm. of their gender. All of these things that God loves me and I am made in the image of God. So that's one truth that mm-hmm. I can hold on to. Now, some other things may change how we uh, decide to view, let's say, sex outside of marriage or mm-hmm. um, different things like that. And so if we're able to use that foundation of that truth that God loves me as I am, Mm-hmm. You can kind of use that as a springboard to go a lot of different places, because okay. a lot of times I, I think why people end up turning away from their faith is because they are told this idea that I'm not lovable by God because who I am is a sin or who I am mm-hmm. is not in the image of God. But once we get back and like can really build on that foundation 
And, you know, I have some beliefs that might be a little heretical, but I almost don't care. But (laughs) I think about... So be it. So, and, and it is what it is. But like, I think about if God created us in his image, so his image or there. And I know that like people have issue with there because it implies plurality. And it, within Christianity, we believe in one true God, but one person can have multiple facets and multiple um, ways exactly. of expressing themselves. And so because the English language limits us uh with gender, right? Um, yes. There's not a way to express that without making it sound plural. Well, but, but you're, uh, but the plurality, I think, is important when you're talking about if you are talking about a god, like we're yeah. all made in their image. Yes, I, yes. I don't necessarily identify with all the masculinity. Yeah, right? yeah some yeah. masculinity, but not all of but it. But not all of it. And so yeah. there includes all of it. Yes, yes. And, and philosophically, to be completely honest, makes more sense. It makes more <laughs> sense. It makes more sense. So yeah, like that that's the foundation. Like let's let's get to the basic. Mm-hmm. Go let's look at, you know, Psalm 139, um you being formed in your mother's womb and like God loving you every piece of hair on your head. If you ain't got hair on your head, he loves the smoothness. Um, but, but all of that, like getting back to that, I think that is what really gives us the springboard or a place where we can then build a strong foundation. And and that's one thing in doing my research for the chapter. There are, I think, more resources available for people who decide to completely turn from faith than mm. there are for people who have a more expansive understanding Understanding of who God is or want to have an expansive understanding. I think um, you're so right there, honestly, yeah. because I, I know as a person who who is my faith has changed mm-hmm. in 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 enormous ways since mm-hmm. I you know I I know you and I have talked before and yeah. I was raised in a very much an evangelical Christian perspective, but how mm-hmm. that changed when I got to college and then how it changed after I became a therapist and then how it how and we're going to talk about this later about how the church can grow and change when it comes to sex but trying to like equate the things that you've understood about faith but also one of my sticking points was not just about myself understanding my own bisexuality as i was as i was older but not only that like watching how the church regardless if it was an evangelical perspective or a Catholic perspective, has really harmed humans. Oh, for sure. For sure. And at the root of it is control. Like I think mm. about, um, I was really, I used to be involved in an a organization where they did a, a conference, an annual conference. And I started participating as a teenager and continued on as an adult in a leadership role. And I think about some of the messages that were taught about sex and sexuality. And I remember one of the leaders of the organization decided to, she still wanted to champion abstinence, but Mm -hmm. she also wanted to make it inclusive of talking about safer sex practices. And she caught a lot of flack for that. And she just, I I remember her saying, I still hear her saying it, I'm tired of losing my babies to AIDS. 
And so she said, I got to do I got to talk about something different because they still gonna have sex. So we need to do something else. And so she then gave me a platform before I was certified. She was Mm -hmm. like, I know you talk about sex and I know you are Christian. So I'm gonna give you this platform to talk to my babies. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So I just I mean, what a like. What a what a wonderful way, though, to understand that you see what's happening around you and you're understanding how what what we've been doing isn't working. Mm-hmm. It's not working. It's not addressing the actual things that are happening in yeah. teenagers and adults lives. It's, it's, yeah. it's not addressing what's real. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, I was raised in the purity movement. Yeah, oh, <laughs> and it's girl. still it still has its hooks often in, especially like public school education oh, yeah. system. Oh yeah, for sure, for so sure. When I, you think about yeah. helping helping someone who comes into your office about like that connection to their body, and then trying to understand that that pleasure isn't a sin, Ugh. like how how do you get there? Yeah, so. The listeners can't tell. I just readjusted myself in my seat and everything. Because <laughs> um, it's prepared. It's, um, yeah. So there is an interpretation of, of a specific scripture, and I can't recall it right now, but it looks at sensuality as being sinful. Mm. And it's an incorrect translation of a specific word. Mm. Um, but with that incorrect translation, it's been printed in several different versions of the Bible. And so we get this idea that sensuality is sinful. Now, what is sensuality? It's really experiencing the world through your five senses. Mm-hmm. It's not inherently sexual. And so that's some more exegesis, right? That's mm-hmm. uh, talking with my clients about what this word means, where it comes from, why we think the way we do about it. And this is what it actually actually meant. Um, Not that. So I think about with sex therapy, um, we are taught the plicit model, permission, limited Mm -hmm. information, specific suggestions, and then intense therapy. I'm starting at the beginning. This is permission, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So like, I'm not serving as a gatekeeper, but in giving you this information, I'm kind of like giving you permission to then explore what feels good to you and how you can experience the world through your senses and through pleasure and and, and define that for yourself. So, yeah, we go on back to the basics. (laughs) I think but I think that permission giving is is that altering of the story you're telling yourself Mm -hmm. and whether it's the story you're telling yourself or it's the story you heard from the church. Oh, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And I just think about different stories I heard. Like I remember uh, being talked to about dirty tennis shoes. Has you ever heard that uh, analogy? Mm -hmm. Oh, girl, I need to hear it. So. Yeah. So it's this um, idea that, you know, when you go to the store and you want to buy tennis shoes, you want a nice, pretty pair that's never been worn oh, and yes. doesn't have now any. You, you know, oh, you're reminding yeah, me. You're taking uh-huh. me back to Christian camp right now. Oh, my goodness. Listen, right? But you don't, when you buy a new pair of tennis shoes, you don't want the one that has gum on it. Or, mm-hmm. And so, like, they're equating our bodies to tennis shoes. Like, that's a problem. But although I'm a, I'm a baby sneakerhead, 
But uh, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, but like, don't compare me to some Jordans. Like, yes, my inherent worth is a bit more than that. But it, it goes back to that idea yep. that God loves me is who I am. And it does not include people who have experienced some type of trauma where they didn't have choices of sharing mm-hmm. their body sexually. And like the message is just so uh, incomplete. Oh and um, so harmful. But I, I understand they they want to protect you. But in mm-hmm. doing that, it, it just reads as control and it's so limiting. And so then mm-hmm. you get someone who's been taught this idea that, OK, well, I'm going to be a pretty pair of tennis shoes and, you know, I'm not going to have any gum on the bottom. And then they get married and they're having trouble relating to their partner because there's no switch that turns on. There's That's nothing right. that like tells them, okay, now it's good to have sex. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, they tell you don't have sex, don't have sex, don't have sex until you get married. And then when you get married, swing from you're the chandelier. Like, yeah, you're supposed to have like this magic knowledge, right? But like, you ain't, you ain't taught like the, me nothing. <laughs> it's like when it's like when you turn 25 and you get the magic driving ability. Like, yeah. I, I haven't gotten that yet. Um, yeah. But it's, it's similar in what you're yes. talking about. Like it is this, you do not get any kind of, of explanation any Mm -hmm. kind of coaching any kind Mm -hmm. of okay this is what it means to ask for what you want how you Mm -hmm. would like it and and most of the time if you did wait until you met one person then you have no clue what pleasure means in your body period no clue at all because you were probably taught that sensuality was a sin and so Mm -hmm. any kind of senses that you feel in your body you've been uh, taught you know uh, God provides a way of escape so you find a way to escape your body and then it's Mm -hmm. hard to get back into it it's hard to understand that God created your body the only thing that God when God created humanity that's the only thing he said and it was good after mm-hmm. like he created the beast of the field and the, the air and, you know, all of that. But like mm-hmm. when he created humanity, he said, and it was good. Mm-hmm. Right. And so to again, going back to the basics and understanding that I am free to express and experience my sensuality. I am free to express and experience pleasure within my body. My body is not a limit to my experience of God. You know, I need to write that down. Is not a limit in which to experience God. Wow. Yeah. Oof. I'm, I'm, I'm just sitting it with it myself. for a second. I'm just sitting it down. I'm just yeah. sitting with it. Like, you, you gave us a word today. So I really do want to know. I want to tackle this because you and I could be here for four hours. That's, I believe it. It's, <laughs> we could. So, but how do you think specifically, and, and we've already touched on this a bit, how can the church grow and change when it comes to sex? Oh, so many different ways. So one, I think one of my good friends who is one of the most brilliant people that I know, Dr. Dr. Catherine Dale Blue, she mm. once taught me that uh, we're either operating out of fear, which is a closed fist, or mm. love. Right. And so love, when we're operating out of love, it's an open hand where things can come and go as it's supposed to. Um, Things can land and stay as long as they're supposed to. And when they're and it's time for them to go, they can freely leave. But like like with that closed fist, yeah, you're holding on to what you have, but like nothing can get in that's supposed to. And the stuff Mm -hmm. that's supposed to escape is sitting there rotting. And so Jesus tells us to really operate and move in love. 
So if we get back to the basics of operating out of love, it can be scary, but it's not operating out of fear. Like do it afraid to operate in a space that um, provides that openness and that ability to explore, that ability to um, understand and even ask questions and to admit when you don't have the answers. Like, Yeah, just really operating from a place of love. It sounds real simple, but like it can be a bit more challenging just because it requires vulnerability. Mm -hmm. It requires also reaching out when you don't know the answers and knowing the the people that you can reach to. So like you got me, right? I'm a Christian sex therapist. And although I am not a minister uh, in in the pulpit sense, I minister through my work. Mm -hmm. And um, with that, I still make sure I know my stuff. Like I'm reading the books. I, you know, I'm talking to the people, all of that. So a couple of things, just to recap all that I said, one, the basic operate out of love, but then also connecting with trusted professionals that can um, assist with exploring these different topics. And that truly understand, that truly understand the context in which a lot of this was written yeah. and who the audience was mm-hmm. intended for. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I think that that I, I remember for the, cause I, I, I went to a Christian university and uh, I remember the first time when I was actually hearing from somebody who was an expert in a specific book of the Bible and versus how I was raised with it. It, it absolutely changed my perspective completely. Yes, yes. And and there was so much less, at least when it was communi- being communicated to us, it was so much less shame. Mm-hmm. There was so much less, there was so much more understanding of what politically was happening during that period of time. Yeah, yeah. And how... It, there is a, a vast difference today in where we are. It doesn't mean that the things aren't needed and necessary and the messages aren't needed and necessary in a lot of ways, but mm-hmm. understanding that can really give you a lot of freedom, especially that internal freedom that you've already talked about. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think about for Christians, we believe that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. And I like to say, you know, Jesus died for that too. A lot of times we think that there are so many things that we we can't be free from or we can't access that freedom. But part of his sacrifice provides that freedom for us. Mm. All we got to do is just like remind ourselves, oh, he died on the cross for that too. Okay. I can be free to experience pleasure through my body. I can be free to love who I love. I can be, you know, all of that, that freedom is there and it's available. Yeah. The, the, combination of pulling freedom and love together i think yeah. that open hand metaphor i can just see it i can feel it in my in my head and my heart as you talk about it yeah. and and i also think that the more especially in in public culture today we're still understanding across north america and all the other countries in the world like what how control was used within within the church specifically to harm indigenous cultures to harm harm black cultures to harm people of color cultures and we're still unearthing all of that and i think we're we're coming at we're coming at a reckoning and i think you're you're saying your message is incredibly important at this point 
Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I just think about how anything that was different from uh, dominant culture was seen as demonic Mm -hmm. and how so many different things were then incorporated into various cultures' expression of Christianity. How within the uh, the black church, you have um, call and response. Well, that's a nod mm-hmm. to African traditional religion. How you have the circle shout or like catching the spirit. That's from mm-hmm. African traditional religion. But and and and, and it wasn't a, oh we're gonna hide this. But that's just the spirit moving. And I mm-hmm. believe, and like I said, I may be called a heretic. I don't care. Um, <laughs> but I believe that it's the same story told in different cultural contexts. Yes. That we understand God in ways that make sense to us and in our our culture and our language. And so it's just the same, it's the same God expressed through our culture. It's the same story. It's the same story expressed in different cultural contexts. Because if I believe that God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, he didn't only speak English. That's right. (laughs) You know? That's right. And was not white. And was not white. (laughs) Girl. Was not white. But yeah. But yeah. Uh Uh-huh. I, I just so appreciate you bringing all of this to us. How did people find you in the world? I knew this would go by in a minute. I knew this would go by so um, A minute, a minute. Yes. So I am at Sankofa Sex on Instagram and Twitter. That is S as in Sam, A-N-K-O-F-A. And Sankofa is a an adinkra symbol, which means to, uh, it's, it's beneficial to look back to the past in order to move forward into the future. And I thought it was a lovely uh, mm. symbol to use for my therapy practice. So, yeah, yeah but at Sankofa Sex on Instagram and Twitter and SankofaSexTherapy.com is my website. Y'all, everything will be in the show notes so that you can easily find Deandra. Again, just you are such a blessing to me. Thank you for being part of the Sex Talk family. Thank you. And, and thank you for this book and your all of the things that you have added to it. Folks, thanks for sticking around to the end. We will see you next time. <laughs>